open up to Acts chapter 2 and pull out something to take notes with. Make sure your neighbor has something to take notes with. If they don't, bop them on the head. Rosie and I have a joke. We bop each other on the head. It's like, stop that. We, bop it. <laughs> we do it to each other, though, so it's okay. We are uh, continuing a series that we have been doing for the last couple of weeks. Uh, we're calling it Five Rooms. Has anybody been here for any of the previous yeah. weeks? Awesome. Five Rooms, uh, coming off another series that we did called A Church Like Home, talking about being a people that, that don't just have a homey experience on Sunday mornings, though that is awesome, but what does it look like to be a people with whom God lives with so that we see things like miracles and that the world can look at us and not see us that we're great, but see God working through us and think, man, that God sounds amazing. I want to know him. And so we're talking about what does it mean to be a people with whom God can live and show himself through to the world around us because Jesus loves people. Amen? Amen. Jesus loves people. He really wants them to know that and he really wants to use you to show them. And so after our Church Like Home series, we begin this series, Five Rooms, talking about as we look through the Bible, as we look through church history, are there any consistencies among individuals and communities of Jesus followers that didn't just maybe say something by name that, yeah, we were Christians, but they actually showed the kingdom of God. They, they, they manifested the kingdom of God in a significant way in their lives and the, the people around them. Does anybody love Chad Hockett? Yes. Yeah. I think he came up because he wanted a shout out, so we'll give him one. <laughs> so that's what this series is all about, these five rooms. We've talked about being a people of personal devotion. We've talked about making disciples and we talked last week about being people who, who meet house to house, not just like on a Tuesday night, but that we, we're living life together, um, even around the context of home. We're being a family together. And this morning, I want to talk to you about the consistent factor of corporate gatherings. So we call it Sunday mornings. We call it Sunday mornings. But just this element, as you look through the Bible, as you look through church history of, of stuff like this, believers getting together to to love Jesus, to worship God, get on the same page, encourage one another, and just consistently be together to strengthen one another. Because I don't know about you, but I get strengthened when I come here on Sunday. Yeah. I get strengthened when I'm around you. So we're talking this morning about corporate gatherings or, or Sunday mornings in our context. I don't know about you, but I grew up uh, going to church every Sunday. Uh, shout out to my parents. Thank you for, for working that into my life. Uh, we, were, we, were, uh, we were a church family. We went to church all the time. Uh, my parents were pretty determined to get the value of prioritizing God into my life. So whenever we did allowance, you set aside 10%. You went to church on Sunday. If you slept over somewhere Saturday night, you were getting picked up Sunday morning. Uh, we were playing sports. We didn't really play the Sunday morning games. We went after church. I mean, like, we, we went to church. Wear a belt, tuck your shirt in, look people in the eye, and we go to church. And I, I kept a few of those. The shirt's not tucked in. But other than that, I held on to some of those lessons. So we, we were a church family. And, and on top of that, uh, I went to a Christian school growing up. And so almost everybody I knew had the regular habit of going to church. So church on Sunday has been a thing for me, so much so that I actually still remember the first conversation I had with a friend from school, finding out he didn't go to church regularly. We were, we were sleeping over. I think it was a Saturday night. We were in his room. He had bunk beds. I was on the bottom. He was on the top. I remember it like it was such a significant moment, right? And uh, I think we were talking about the fact that I was getting picked up the next morning to go to church. And I was like, uh, where do you guys go to church? And he's like, yeah, we don't really go to church. And I was like, it was my, my brain kind of shorted out because it was like so normal. I was like, I didn't know that that was like even allowed. <laughs> like, but at the same time, like I'm kind of jealous. I don't know. <laughs> so it's just a, just a big moment. Church was, church was so normal 
normal for me. And, and whether you grew up going to church or not, um, it's normal for a lot of people. And, and we li- really, we live in a society where church on Sunday mornings is pretty, a pretty normal thing. You know, like everybody knows like on Sunday mornings, Jesus followers go to church. Uh, with some, some of them really like church, and so they go. Some of them get dragged to church by their parents or, or significant others. Uh, some people who love God go to church. Some people who don't love God go to church. Some people are just curious about God. It's like Sunday morning, you know, like, like church, church happens, so that, that's what happens. And there's churches right here. There's churches right over there and everywhere. Like I drive by probably eight or ten, like on my way here. Uh, there's all kinds of churches. There's like charismatic ones. There's not charismatic ones, big ones, small ones, Lutheran, Episcopalian, a Korean one that I drive by. Uh, So they're just kind of everywhere. So church church is super normal. And and church is one of those things, we all know some people have good things to say about it. Some people have bad things to say. Some good experiences, some bad experiences. Like I said, some like it, some don't. But I just want to say that in the middle of all the conversations about church, all the experiences of church, the highs and lows, the good and the bad. I just want to say that I am so thankful that in our society, church is like a normal thing. I'm so thankful for that, even though there may be things we need to talk about sometimes. I'm just glad that it's like part of the cultural conversation. That is such a gift, like such a blessing that we get to come in here, um, and it's normal, and, and we, can, we can invite people, and even if they don't really like it, it's like not that weird, I mean, because church happens, or we don't have to worry about the government busting in here right now and arresting all of us just for being here, like that's amazing, really, really, really amazing, actually, so I, I'm just thankful that like we can, we can preach loud, we can worship loud, we can invite people here, we can just go after this freely. You know, even in the midst of some of the conversations that may need to happen sometime. So I'm thankful. I'm thankful that that's our cultural norm. I'm thankful that that is my personal norm. That it's always been normal for me to get together with other Jesus followers on Sundays and do something. Do at least something. And I'm thankful that we're in a society that knows that on Sunday mornings, Jesus followers get together to talk about what they think is the word of God and worship him. Like, that's amazing. That your neighbors know that you go worship God Sunday mornings. Your car leaves every week, and you just go worship God. Even if they don't get it, that is cool. That is really cool. So I love that it's normal. I love that it's normal in my life. I love that it's normal in our culture. And and I want it to become more normal. I want it to be the most normal thing of anybody's life. That, that, That we go to church on Sunday. Like, I want that so bad. But one of the dangers of church becoming normal is that church can become mundane. Normal, the word normal, the concept of normal, especially when we start talking about spiritual stuff, like following God, or you get into kind of the spiritual disciplines, like you, you start talking about normal, it can kind of have this negative connotation, like normal is boring, right? Or, or like just kind of is like going through the motions, or you're just kind of checking stuff off the box or the list, or whatever it is, especially when we talk about spiritual stuff. Normal can have this, this, con- this connotation, but, but normal isn't bad. Normal is not bad. Normal is only bad when bad things are normal. Right? Like, when great things are normal, normal's great. Normal isn't bad. So, like, seeing your best friend normally, like, that's awesome. Normally getting good family time is great. Normally being able to pay your bills, if that's your norm, that's a great thing. Amen? Normal, normal is a great thing. So, and it, there's, there's great things that can be normal. So normal isn't bad, and normal in and of itself is not bad, and it, normal in and of itself is also not mundane. Normal by itself is not mundane. Normal is exciting if exciting things are normal. 
Normal is only mundane when you have no expectation. Normal becomes mundane when you lose your expectation. And in our society, where church on Sunday has become normal, which is great, because church is great, so that makes normal great, because great things are normal, so it's a great normal. In our society where church has become normal, I think that at times, or, or maybe just frankly, we've got to make the assessment that, that the weekly gathering of Jesus followers in, I, in our society, of, of people who believe that the life and death and resurrection of this God-man means that sin is forgiven forever and all diseases can be healed, this gathering of humans who say that we no longer live, but actually Jesus himself lives inside of us, and we are filled and possessed by the very spirit of the living God has become mundane. Because those around us, and too often times those of us even in this room, have lost our expectation. I believe that Jesus is still building the church. I believe that this church that Jesus is building that the gates of hell still cannot prevail against it. I believe that we are still the very body of Christ on earth, the fullness of him who fills all in all. I, st I still believe that. I, I still believe that Jesus destroys the works of the devil. I still believe that Jesus seeks and saves the lost. I still believe that he wills that none should perish, but that all should find eternal life. I still believe that by his stripes all, sin is, or all disease is healed. All sins are forgiven. I still believe that he bore our transgressions on the cross. I, st I still believe all of these things. I still believe that no matter what has ever been seen on this planet, among Jesus' followers who, who stand under this name of Jesus, that we have only begun to scratch the surface of what God can and will do through an individual and a group of people whose hearts are fully devoted to Him. And I believe that still the one qualification that you need to be the child of God that's called you, that God's called you to be, to, to, to manifest the power of God, to walk in the will of God, and to live in the presence of God is still the only one qualification it's ever been. Only believe. Only believe. I see you came to church this morning, but did you bring any expectation? Did you bring any expectation? Are we awake this morning? I know I didn't come here just for the coffee. I came here for Jesus. Is there anyone else here this morning because you believe Jesus is alive? Is there anyone else here this morning because you're hungry for Jesus? Is there anybody else who needs Jesus? Is there anybody else here who loves Jesus? God's done so much in me over the years as I've gotten together on Sunday mornings consistently with just people who love Jesus. Not people who have it all together, but people who just love Jesus. A lot of times they're even the messy ones. And I know that because usually I'm there. God's done so much in me. I've seen God do amazing things in this the consistency of the corporate getting together, the consistency of Sunday mornings, the normal of getting together. Even at times it has been mundane because I've lost my expectation, but God never loses his expectation. The question is never, is God going to move? The question is only, are you ready for it? Because God is moving. God is on the move in your life. God is on the move when you come here on Sundays. God is on the move in other churches or right across the street on the way here, every one of them that I passed. Jesus is alive. 
Jesus is in the room. And Jesus can do anything. I want to tell you some stories of things I've seen God do on some Sunday mornings. Is that cool? Because I think it's exciting. And sometimes uh, I really lose my expectation. Definitely. Like this morning. I woke up and I was like, ooh, let's stay in bed today. That sounds very nice. Sometimes I lose it. And you've got to remember, what, what has God done? What has God promised? Sometimes you've got to look back to have faith for the future. Amen? I remember the, the first time that I, uh, when, I was a, when I was in college in, at Baylor, a lot of you, if you've been around here, you've heard me tell this story, but the first time that I went to church there in Waco, at Antioch there in Waco, remember the first night I went there, I walked in, and I, I had this experience that I had heard so many people say before, but I never experienced this, but, but I had this thought, okay, everybody in here has something I don't have. Service hadn't started. There was just a bunch of Jesus lovers standing in a room. And I could tell it was different than anything I had personally experienced. Or maybe the dots just connected for the first time. But I looked around the room and thought, I don't know who these people are, but they really actually know, like a friend, they know God. And that's tripping me out. Because <laughs> I've always had it all together, but I don't have what they have. Yeah. It was just getting around some people. That's all that it was. I remember uh, on a Sunday morning, I remember vividly the Sunday morning that, that vision really took root in my heart for, for why I want to live my life giving to what God is going to do. Why I want to give financially. And, and I, was, I was a senior in college, so it's not like I had a whole lot of money, you know? But I remember sitting in church one day, I was there in, in Waco still at, at Antioch, and the pastor of Antioch Waco, his name's Jimmy, who started Antioch stuff, uh, he... Uh, it was, what was this, five and a half, six years, six and a half years ago? Um, he stands up some, one morning and, and he, and he kind of unveils this vision of this building that they were going to have to build after about 20 years they, of using an old grocery store and all this kind of stuff. They're going to have to build this building and it was going to be whatever it was going to be and here's all the plans and the vision for it. Because he, he shared the story about how this little church in Waco it, that started in 1999 by whatever that was, 2011, by that time there was like close to 55 teams all around the world and, and 20-something churches in the United States. And there was this hub that, that, that Waco needed to be for the family of Antioch around the world. And I was just like, I've never heard anything like this. This is blowing my mind. And it just made sense. And, and he was talking about this building. And then he said how much it was going to cost. And it was a lot. And especially for, for that group of, of people, it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot. But, but he, he just said, this is what we're doing. And so it was like, I just bought in. I was like, I just want to live my life being part of that. And, and he actually, he said, if, if every adult in the church over the course of the project gives $5,000, then it'll all be paid for. And he committed to doing it in cash. So he's like, we're going to build it as the cash comes in. We're never going to owe people money. I was like, that sounds cool. So he said, if every adult in this church can give $5,000 over the next however many years it takes to build this thing, we can do this. And I remember being a senior in college, and I, I don't know if they took an offering that day or, or after that, or I don't know how it worked, but I just remember thinking about like, when the basket passed the next time I saw it. I remember thinking, well, I don't have $5,000, but how do I get in the basket? How, how, how do I put me in there? Because I'm in. Like, I don't have five grand, but, but I'm in. I want to be in for this. I want to be a part of that. And I knew that but before that building was finished, I was going to move out of Waco and be doing some other things, but I didn't care. 
It wasn't about me going to church on Sunday there. I wanted to be a part of what God was doing. So I want to know, how do I put myself in here? Remember God just showing me that day, when you put your money in the basket, you put you in the basket. That's how you get in there. And I thought, oh, that's so easy. I want to do that. That's so simple. It's way easier than trying to fit in that thing. <laughs> and so I remember deciding, I remember deciding, so one way or another, I'm giving $5,000 to this project. I don't know how it's going to happen, but I'm going to do it. I graduate college, and uh, Heather and I get married, and between the two of us, I have, we have one part-time job, making 800 bucks a month, and now that we're married, uh, you know, we're like, well, I guess that means let's try to give 10,000, because there's two of us, so we're just going to believe God. We don't even, like, we don't have any, you know, it's not like we're even close, so it's like, God, but we wanted to do it. We're like, God, help us, help us. We want to be able to jump in to what you're doing. I remember several months later, different things happening in our life and all of a sudden, out, kind of out of the blue, stuff that we didn't know about, some different things happened, and, and we were able to give our first $10,000 to what God was doing. Wow. Within our first year of marriage, making 800 bucks a month. Because we said, God, I want to be in. I want to be in for what you're doing. And we got to go to the building for the first time last year, like two years after it got finished. It doesn't matter, though. It was cool to walk in and realize, oh, my God, thank you. Thank you for letting me be part of this. Looking around the room and seeing 2,500 people worshiping Jesus. It's just amazing. I remember that happening on a Sunday morning. It's because I got around other people. I remember another time being at a Sunday morning when I was in college. And again, Pastor Jimmy was talking about what it looks like to live generously. And at the end of, at the, end of the service, a lot like us, we have that response time. You know, like we want to be people who respond. And he introduced that time by saying, okay, everybody stand up. And he said, if you're in the room and you have a financial burden in your life, I want you to come up to the front. Just come up to the front of the room. Don't be ashamed. Don't be scared. Just come up to the front. A lot of people came to the front. College kids, moms, dads, business owners, grandparents, anybody and everybody up at the front. Filled the room across the room. And then he looked at the rest of the church and he said, okay, church, this is family. Why don't you ask God if you have anything to give and if there's anybody you should give to and let's do it. And worship started. And all of a sudden, hundreds of people start filing up to the front of the room. Hundreds of people. People from all different demographics, people of all different financial standings just walking up to the room, putting coins, cash, checks with everything filled out but the name, IOUs putting it in people's hands as they just stood there and worshiping <laughs> pretty much everybody weeping in the whole room, <laughs> sticking it in people's pockets, people walking out with debt paid off, people walking out, now I can get my car fixed and I can go to work this week, people just encountering the love of God Amen. through the people of God. Amen. I remember when we were considering moving to Antioch College Station. After we had spent time in Waco, we were trying to pray, well, God, what do you have for us to do next? And on the table was going 100 miles down the road to another Antioch church in College Station, Texas. And so we thought, well, it's only 100 miles away. Let's go visit it. So we went on a Sunday morning, just showed up, and it happened to be a baptism Sunday. And we were sitting there like third row back or something like that. I just saw my wife crying really hard. And so God's so good, guys. He's so good. And he's worth everything. He's just worth everything. And this expectation thing is like really huge, you know? Because so many people show up to God and they just expect him to expect something from them, right? Yeah. Yeah. <clears throat> but they should expect him to be offering them something. Yeah. 
Just, just give me everything and I'll give you everything. <laughs> I remember being there that first morning and they had this uh, trough looking thing, a lot like what we're going to have here in a couple of weeks. And uh, they just had person after person coming up and share for like a minute about their testimony of why they wanted to get baptized. And there's, there's, like, there's like a bajillion college kids at that church. And so all these college students coming up and sharing all these stories about just everything from like, I, you know, I, I just, I've always I kind of had a heart for God, but now I want to give him everything, everything from that to like drug addiction, suicide, all kinds of stuff, you know? Just standing up talking about how good Jesus was. And you, and you watch their friends baptize them. And then all of a sudden there'd be, be people sprint to the front of the room. As soon as their head come out of the water, before the water had even dripped off, there's like a dozen people surrounding the trough, laying hands on them, praying and saying, God, we thank you that this is a new beginning. We thank you that they're broken off from the power of sin. Lord, we thank you for that you've called them, that you've anointed them, that they're just taking the next step into what you have invited them into. It's a new day. People going crazy, standing up on chairs, kind of trying to watch because it's a big deal when people get baptized. And we looked around and we we're just like, this is bananas. Let's do this. <laughs> so we moved to College Station. I remember when we were in College Station, uh, there, was, there was just a really actually crazy, crazy kind of like 18 months at our church in College Station uh, where there was a lot of tragedy that happened, um, a lot of a lot of tragedy, especially just losing little kids and all kinds of stuff. Um, miscarriages, you know, all kinds of things. So that's why I get really excited when the Bontrager stand up and talk about having babies and why we celebrate when the Hawkins have babies after being told they couldn't and why it matters so much and why we love so much that there's so many babies in this church. Oh, man. Because there was like 18 months there where nobody in the church could have a baby. It was like crazy. And... Uh, so it matters, you know? Yeah, like, yeah. we prayed and fasted and God moved us. Yeah, that's right. And now that matters and it carries here somehow. I don't know, but yeah. God's just amazing. Yeah. So th we're in the middle of all of that, and uh, it's, like, it's like literally eight weeks or something after another funeral for another baby <laughs> in that church. And, and there was a young family in the church, 26-year-old guy who got in a car accident and was killed and left behind his wife and three little kids at 26. And it was like a Thursday or something. So now we find out about that, and it's just like we can't handle this, you know? And so everybody shows up to church on Sunday. It was amazing because it was like, man, we, we got to at least just keep getting together. And they were a family in our church. They're, the guy's parents went to our church, kind of the whole, the whole family deal. Went to our church and uh, you know it happened like on a Thursday or something like that and we weren't expecting it but all of a sudden like the whole family walks in like during worship a little bit after service has started so yeah, it's like really intense and you know it's really the first time everybody's seen them and uh, so yeah they they walk in and his wife walks in and drops the kids off and the kid you know Antioch kids and it's just you know a heavy moment and so we hadn't gotten to the offering time yet and so uh, after we saw them walk in, our, our pastor, when it got to the offering time like we do here, he just said, okay, everybody get out your wallets, everybody. Everybody get out your wallets right now. We're taking up our offering, and every single cent is going straight to his wife right here and now. We got to care for her. And like one service just on the spot gives this woman like $20,000. And it was just the beginning. And it's, it's like it didn't fix anything, but it made it was God. It was God in the moment. Absolutely incredible. I, I, just this morning, 
I got a text from, from Brad Huff. Anybody love Brad Huff in our church? He's in Belfast, Ireland right now, and he sent me this video of the church service that he's in, whatever that, whatever that time zone works, like this morning, I don't know. <laughs> in the last 24 hours, he went to a church service, however that goes. His Sunday morning, he sends me this video of the worship band singing a song that we sing all the time, and he says, I'm in Belfast, we're worshiping the same Jesus to the same songs. And I said, Brad, you didn't even know I'm talking about that this morning, but that we, we're getting together. It's not just us. It's happening all over the world. Just incredible. Jesus followers getting together to praise him and lift up his name, just like we're doing it right now. We're a part of something so big. Just a couple of weeks ago, I got an email from somebody in our church, and uh, we were talking about some other things, and she kind of threw on this, like, by the way, you know, kind of thing. Like, by the way, I never told you this, but back in January, I had this health issue of, like, 13 years, and during one of the services, God healed me of it, and I haven't been dealing with it since. Like, <laughs> good to know. <laughs> That's amazing. Like, 13 years. Okay. That, it's a big deal. It's a really big deal. Didn't even know about it. Like, wasn't some flashy thing. Hey, you, come up to the bang, you know? Like, it's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Today's your day. Be healed. It's just Jesus. It's just Jesus. Every week we get together. Every week we get together in this room. And we all come from different weeks, different situations, different mornings, different circumstances, all kinds of different things. But we come together and all of a sudden the Holy Spirit starts walking around the room. Touching people's hearts, bodies, situations, needs. And God glorifies himself and he wakes up people's hearts to the hope to which they're called. Every single week. In Acts chapter 2, verse 47, we've got a whole half a verse that we're going to look closely at this morning. Acts 2, verses 47, we preached about this last week, but at the very end of this whole passage, verse 47, it's talking about what the church looked like when they were just starting. They were just responding. Like, remember we talked about last week, church isn't an action to get a reaction out of God. God does the action and shows us who he is, and we just react. We react by, by responding to him. And so this is what the church looked like in Acts chapter 2. And one of the things that was the result of their response to what God was doing, verse 47, it says they were praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. And in this fragment sentence, there's a lot there. But the one thing I want to focus on is that, that, that little bit of a sentence there, praising God and, and having favor with all the people. They had favor with all the people. It doesn't just mean they liked each other. It means their city had this affinity for them. They got together and their city appreciated it. Didn't agree with it. Didn't necessarily want much to do with it. But the city knew they needed it. They need these Jesus people getting together. They had favor with the people. The word favor there that we read favor is a Greek word. And that Greek word is charis. Anybody ever met her? The Greek word is charis. It's used about 150 times in the New Testament. 130 of those 150 or so times, it's translated the word grace. This is our word for the grace of God. The Bible says Jesus grew in the grace of God. Jesus came full of grace and truth. Through Jesus we have access by faith into his grace. By grace you have been saved. That's what this word means. 
See, God's desire for us on Sunday mornings is not just to wake up early so we can score some church points. His desire is that when his people get together, whole cities encounter his grace. The people of God were the manifest grace of God to the city around them. And I believe it's time for the church to be an encounter with the grace of God. I believe it's time for the church to be an encounter with the grace of God. I believe it's time for the church to be an encounter with the grace of God. The more I say it, the more smiles start happening. I believe it's time for the church to be an encounter with the grace of God. It's something to smile about. I believe that it's time for the church's presence on social media. Can we be honest? To stop adding and looking the same as the social and political dung flinging that everybody else is doing of criticism and condemnation at other human beings. And it's time that we be an encounter with the grace of God. To be honest, I've been thinking for the last 18 months what to say about how we handle this political situation. And I think that about sums it up. So I've been, yep, it's time to be the grace of God. If you're wondering how to respond to somebody who disagrees with you, and you're an encounter with the grace of God. If you're wondering what to do about policies that you don't agree with, you are supposed to respond with the grace of God. If the fruit of an encounter with you or a post that you have makes, leave, leaves somebody else with condemnation or criticism, you're wrong. You lost your right to criticize and condemn. When Jesus himself took on flesh and bone and he could have piled on criticism and condemnation, but instead he poured out Grace. Grace. I'm not saying everybody's right. I'm just saying Jesus loves everybody. Can we do it? Can we smile about it? You're not in trouble. You're empowered. You're free. It means you don't have to get caught up in it. You just get to love people. It's time to be an encounter with the grace of God. It's time for our presence in the world, Sunday, Monday through Saturday, to be an encounter with the grace of God. We're building that building next door. Those guys are laying carpet over there right now, which looks amazing, by the way. We're building that building not so that we can come together and have a program. We're building that building so that people can come in and encounter the grace of God, and then they can be sent out to be the grace of God. That's why we're here. That's what we're doing. You, us, we are the manifest grace of God to the people around us. It's so much bigger than 90 minutes on Sunday. And I love it. We get to be the body of Christ, the physical, the physical experience of Jesus for people. And when I look around this room and I hear about and see what God's consistently doing here, I honestly think that we're doing a really good job. I think we're doing a really good job of this. And uh, I just see who you are, and I just think, man, God, thank you for the gift to be a part of this church. This is amazing. And I believe that there's no limit to how much we can grow in all of this. And so that gets me excited. I think we're doing great, and I think we got a long way to go, which is really fun. And so I want to quickly mention three simple things that we can all be doing to grow together as we continue to step into what God wants us to do when we step into this call and opportunity to be an encounter with the grace 
of God for our city. They may sound familiar. The first thing you can do is show up. The first thing you can do is show up. Physically, show up. Attend. Be here consistently. Because God wants, because of what God wants to do in you and because of what God wants to do through you. Don't just show up because you're supposed to. Don't lose your expectancy. If you don't have any, still show up. Somebody else will let you borrow some. But do your best to bring your own expectancy. And you, you're showing up because you believe God's on the move. God wants to do something. You are part of this body. I want you to hear that. You are part of this body. And the people around you really need what you bring into this room. And you really need what the other people in this room bring into this room. You're part of this body. We need one another. So when you come, come on purpose. Bring your expectation. I remember having a mentor tell me this was before I was ever a pastor or anything like that. He just said, every time you go to church, show up believing God's got a word for somebody through you. Go to church believing God gave you something for someone. So show up just looking around, ready to give it. Come on purpose. Change my life. Show up. And something super practical you can do, because we just do this as family, is if you're not already, just jump on a serve team. There's like really awesome opportunities to keep getting to know to people if you're get, getting to know people. If you're musical, jump on the worship team. If you like being behind the scenes, jump on the production team. If you like saying hi to people or if you don't know where else to go, jump on the host team. <laughs> it's really not that big of a commitment and it's really fun and you get to be a part of what God's doing. And where we really need some help, somebody say amen, is some people to jump in on Antioch Kids. Amen. Because all those babies we were talking about, <laughs> there's a lot of babies. <laughs> They're for real. They're not imaginary. They're really here all stacked in that little room over there. <laughs> and this is family, so, so we pitch in, right? And I'm not asking you to say, oh, man, I am called and created to be an Antioch Kids worker. I, Beth is, I think, and she's leading the whole thing. Other than that, I don't know if anybody else is either, but we're family. So that's what we do because we love each other. So your calling is way bigger than a Sunday serve team. I'm not saying that when you step on this serve team, it's going to be the greatest fit in the whole world. And God, is this is the thing you were made for. No, you're not. That's why there's a six other days in the week and 23 and a half other hours, right? Like, come on, God. But it's just family. That's why we do it, right? It's once a month you can do it. So go on our website, find the serve form, and fill it out. Because it's family. Amen? Amen? So show up. Show up on purpose. Come with something to give. Second thing you can do is talk. Sound familiar? I'm trying to be helpful with keeping these the same every week because I think that's kind of the point. Talk, and when I say talk, I really just mean talk, like talk to somebody, talk to somebody. And this is definitely one of those things I want to pause and say, you're amazing at this. You are absolutely amazing at this, and I want to make a big point of it to underscore, because I think that if you, if when you talk to somebody, you don't think it's a big deal, but I cannot tell you how big of a deal it is. Like, I get to hear the stories from people getting blown away when you said hi. It's like the coolest thing ever. So I'm not exaggerating that, that every single week, every single week, we have people here who have never been here before. So... That's, oh yeah, okay, good to be aware. Every single week, we have people who have never been here before, and literally every single week, I hear from somebody who's new-ish around here, like, wow, this place is crazy welcoming. Like, people stop their conversations to say hi to me. Like, I didn't get jumped when I came in the door. I just feel really cared about. This is crazy. Every single week, people say that because you said hi. 
That's so cool, and I, and, and I love that. It, it's not, it's, the host team's amazing, but like, it's, you all are like, I'm, I am the host team, right? <laughs> so it's so cool, you're, you're amazing at this. And, and, and this is why I so badly want you to be here a few minutes before 10 instead of 10.15. <laughs> not because I need you to pull something off for me, but because if you'll show up a few minutes before 10, that's when the new people are here, and they're sitting here by themselves while everybody else is late. And so instead of them encountering the, like, the goodness and the grace of God, they, they have to wait for people to show up. And then we start saying hi, and then they're blown away. But instead, we could show up like a few minutes earlier when they walk in the door or when they are here. Or we could have a few minutes to just talk with some folks. Because when you say hi, you literally change people's worlds. I, that's not isn't an exaggeration. I talked to one guy one time. He said, I've been checking other churches for, what was it, like three years? He's like, I've never been said hi to. And I just had like eight people say hi to me. You change the world. How that guy hadn't given up in three years, I don't know. <laughs> Praise God he came one more time, right? right? You change the world. You change somebody's world when you just say, hey, how's it going? I'm glad you're here. Because people need to hear that, amen? amen. Hmm. I have something I really want to say, but I don't know if we have time to do it. Is everybody okay if we maybe don't worship at the end? Because I want to have, like... I connected some of the dots in my own head in like the last, what was it, two, over the last two weeks. And it's something that as I've thought about it, I'm like, man, this would be awesome for like a staff meeting, but the only people on staff are me and Sam. <laughs> so for the next couple of minutes, we're all staff here, all right? So we're going to have a little staff meeting. Does that sound good? Yes. Welcome, welcome to the team, everybody. So anybody know uh, Callie and Tanner Carroll? Yes. I just saw them. Oh, right here. Yeah, they're, they're amazing. They're amazing. Oh, praise God, get after it. So Callie and I were meeting the other day, and we were talking about something, because she, we were kind of brainstorming like this big church word called guest assimilation. Like, how do you help new people get connected to the church? It's kind of like, in the church world, it's a big conversation. How do you do this well? Because obviously that matters. So we were talking about it, and we were kind of coming up with like, you know, well, like what systems are there just to help people and, you know, make sure they feel welcome and get people information who want information and all that sort of thing. And we're kind of talking, and then I was like, okay, hey, wait a second. Time out. Time out on this whole conversation. I feel like we're trying to solve a problem we don't have. Because I was like, you know, I look around, I'm hearing stories every week of people literally coming to church for the first time. Somebody came, I don't know if they're here right now, but they came without their husband, and she was like, this is our church. We're like, oh, where's your husband? She's like, he's not here, but this is it. We're like, <laughs> great, <laughs> perfect. So I was like, people are coming, people feel loved, they encounter God, people are, who want to jump into life group or build relationships are able to do that. It's happening. It's, it's really absolutely amazing. And we have like some systems, you know, we have the, I kind of like it here card and we give people calls and, and that matters and that's awesome. But really like people aren't getting connected through that. <laughs> They're getting connected because you sit next to them and say hi. And that's how it goes. And so we were talking about this and I was thought, okay, isn't that like the ideal situation? <laughs> that that's how it always goes. And so the question I had was, and we were talking about it, I said, are people getting connected this way? They're, they're either doing that because of our size, because we're just like pretty small and so it's easy, which is great, you know, that, that's great. So, um, but if that is the reason why people can get connected, then as we grow, that gap is gonna grow. It, it won't be as easy, so then we're gonna have to come up with systems to kind of fill in the gap, which there's nothing wrong with that. It's just good to be aware. So my question was, is it a size thing or is it a culture thing? Because if it's a size thing, then that's one thing. But if it's a culture thing, then how do we just keep running after that? Amen. Why would we anticipate that as we grow, it's going to become harder for people to get connected here? Because if we actually just have a culture of talking to people, 
that whether there's 100 people in a room or 100,000 people in a stadium, anybody can look at the person next to them and say, hi, what's your name? And isn't that way better than a card and a phone call? And all of these, I mean, we'll still do the cards and the phone calls because it's helpful and all that stuff. But, but isn't, isn't that kind of the ideal situation? And I was like, is that too idealistic to think that we could do that? And I know that if I asked some church experts, they'd say yes, which is why I'm not going to ask them. That's why we're talking about it here. Because that's what's going to happen. That, that's who we are, and that's what's possible. So when you show up and when you talk to somebody, people get connected to life group, and then they get their life transformed, and it's, like, really awesome because you said hi. Yeah. So uh, the summary of the staff meeting is do that. <laughs> Last thing you can do really practically is listen. Show up, talk. And listen, listen, just listen. We are here on Sunday mornings. We get here together we, because we expect that God is going to speak to us. Amen. We believe Jesus is alive. We believe he still talks and he still has stuff to say. He still wants to use you. He still wants to use me. There's still more that he wants to do in the world and he wants to use you to do it. And so that's why we come. It's because we want to come with the expectation that God is going to speak. And so when you come... Listen, because God's going to speak. God's going to speak to you. One way or another, through somebody, through something, God is going to speak to you. Even when you're tired, even when your week is crazy, when you get in a fight with your spouse on the way here. <laughs> that doesn't happen, I know. Right, right. You have to discipline your kids all morning. I know this stuff doesn't happen to you. <laughs> even then, just show up and, and, and just listen. Listen, because God wants to say something. Jesus loves you so much. That's why you want to come here. Because Jesus loves you. He loves you and he wants to speak to you. And he wants to lead you into amazing things. He wants to lead you into life abundantly. And he wants to speak to you. He wants to speak through you to other people. God wants to speak. When I'm tired, like this morning, when I just wanted to stay in bed, there's, there's plenty of mornings when I'm tired or I just, plenty of mornings I don't want to come. Many mornings I don't want to come. And this is the one that gets me here every single time with a smile on my face. Remembering, wait a second, God's going to speak. Huh. I wonder what that's going to look like. And I start picturing, I, I, I picture this view in my head a lot. Like, wow, I wonder what he's going to do. Because every week I stand up here and it's, so, it's kind of funny. There's like always pockets of people crying. Like, Throughout the whole service. <laughs> no matter what's happening, God's doing something. <laughs> it's like, oh, wow, okay, great. God's just always doing something. God's going to speak, and you don't want to miss it because it's really cool. Even if the plans go badly, even if three people show up and they're all in a bad mood, God can still speak, amen? Because yeah. we stand on this promise that when two or more get together, Jesus is there. Do I have anybody else here in the name of Jesus? Yeah. Amen. Amen. Let's stand and, and worship real quick. Can we do it? Yeah. Sorry, kids. We may go a couple minutes long. Well, is the guitar fixed? Yeah. Nice, Chad. Are <laughs> uh, you ready to worship like Jesus is alive? Yeah. In this moment of response, we do it every week because we want to hear the word of God and we want to do the word of God. And the thing that I want to encourage all of us into again this morning is simply this. What could happen if we believed again? What could happen if we believed again? What could happen if we picked up our expectation again and carried it with us every time we got together? What if we really believed 
that regardless of how worthy of it we felt, God is on the move. And so I wanted you to offer your heart to God in these moments and just ask him to give you expectation. And I want you to commit to him to steward expectation. Commit to living a life of expectation to say, God, even if I don't feel it, I'm still going to believe it. And if you've never believed in Jesus before, now is an amazing time. Today's a great day to start. And if you want to do that, please don't leave without talking to somebody, maybe the person who brought you, or if you need somebody to talk with, just come find me, and we'd love to talk about what it means to believe in Jesus. Does anybody believe this morning? Jesus, we love you. We love you so much, and we thank you for the gift to come together with other people who love you. Thank you for making us differently. Thank you for working in our lives differently. Thank you that we all bring something to the table, and when we come together, we get to see a bigger picture of you. And we lift up the name of Jesus. As we come under you, God, more than two of us lift up the name of Jesus, and we praise you for who you are. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen. 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 Amen.